0: Hello, world. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka. I'm your host and fellow producer, Carolina Gropa. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, welcome. However you stumbled here, I'm so glad you found the show. This is a place where I have candid conversations with producers across all facets of the entertainment industry to understand who we are, what we do, the realities behind what seems to be glamorous, and why we love it so much. So how is everyone doing? a very tumultuous eight weeks here in the states we are still social distancing i think in the next few weeks we're going to be slowly reopening our economy back up in different phases i know for me it's been a lot of ups and downs so i hope that however this time has been for you you've been able to find tiny moments of joy i know we're all faced with different obstacles but i hope that there is a silver lining i hope that there is a new better world on the other side of this right right So, with that said, let's get into this week's episode. I was fortunate enough to sit back down with Jacqueline DeLund, who is the founder and executive producer of Apparently Jack, a production and development company based in LA. I've actually known Jacqueline for quite some time and feel fortunate to consider her a friend and an ally in this industry. She was actually one of my very first interviews when I started the podcast and uh, talk about mistakes and Kaka. Of course, I prepared the night before. Then when I got there, I had major technical issues. I chose a room that was super echoey. I couldn't figure out the mic input thing. felt really embarrassed, honestly. I thought, well, what business do I have doing a podcast? I can't even plug in this freaking microphone. But she stayed cool, calm, collected, and we decided it was best to re-record since it's been a year and a half and so much has changed in her life. She now lives in Sweden, which proved serendipitous timing, actually. Nordic countries have been able to keep production active during COVID-19, so she gives us an insider look as to what that means. Jack fell into producing, like a lot of people do. At one point, she was head of production at an LA-based agency called Something Massive, where she built the video and photo departments from the ground up, while also developing and producing features, shorts, and branded content for Fortune 500 companies. After 10 plus years in the film and advertising industries, Jacqueline decided to form her own thing. So she branched out and started the content studio Apparently Jack. Its mission is to produce and develop cinematic storytelling and storyline-driven content in a variety of formats. During our hour together, Jack shines a bright light on the importance of talking to each other, which seems obvious, but you'd be surprised. It's only through discussion and action that we can destigmatize mental health, grow from our mistakes, and Get closer to achieving inclusion and gender parity in front and behind the camera. Bonus, I'm actually releasing this episode with the full video that we recorded over Zoom on YouTube. I'll put a link here. All right. So, without further ado, let's hear from Jacqueline. So, how are you? It's good to see your face. Good. You too. Yeah. It's, uh,
1: it's different than meeting in person. Um, a lot has changed. 2018. You came to my office in Culver City, yeah. And now I'm here in my like little mini guest house in Sweden. I got married. <laughs> I move across the world. I change jobs, kind of. Not really. We can get into that. Um, yeah, let's get into so, it. Yeah,
0: I want to get into all the nooks and crannies. Yeah. What is life like in Sweden right now? I mean, I am. I don't really truly like the word blessed, but if I
1: would have to like sum it up in a word, I would say lucky or grateful. Just because we live um, in a little town called Marie Fred, and it's about a 40-minute train right outside of Stockholm, we've got a castle in town. Literally, a castle. Um, <laughs> it's picturesque. It looks like a fairy tale. We live in the woods, so you know I get to go on walks daily with my dogs down to the lake and three times a day, we've got deer in the backyard. We've got hares in the backyard. We've got a moose who walks around. I've got my birds. So it's very, a big stark contrast to life in the concrete jungle that we used to call, you know, Playa Vista. Mm, I was going to say, it sounds just, it sounds just like LA, everything you're describing. Exactly. Right? (laughs) No, No, it's so, so beautiful. And um, we live in a neighborhood that is primarily 60 40 summer houses only Mm. so normally during the winter and like right before spring there's not too many families who are here in town but right now because of corona times everyone's left the city to come to their summer houses so we're, we're pretty full but sweden has taken a vastly different approach to their corona response than the rest of the world I don't know how much you've been following that.
0: Yeah, a little bit, but give us like a quick little overview of what that's looked like over there.
1: So nothing ever truly shut down. The Swedish response has been one that is focused on the idea that everyone is going to get it and the point is to slow down the influx of people into hospitals to make sure that everyone has a bed to be cared for. So it's it's an interesting uh, place to live. We've personally been self-quarantined since about a week before LA went into yeah. lockdown. right? But also f- specifically for our industry, that opens up an interesting point in that production has not shut down. The rest of the world, you know, movies, film, TV, I've been hosting these discussions, which you've joined um, yeah. to really talk about what what the effect of covid will be on the industry where we're going next and all of the different you know parts of the industry not just film not just tv but you know indie film film festivals branded content commercials you know yeah. how how do these things get made when do we feel safe going back to work which is so different because a lot of companies here i've had to bite my tongue and hold back my emotion a little bit because if i was in la right now and Mayor Garcetti said, hey, film industry, go back to work. I wouldn't feel safe as a producer yeah. having my crew come on set and working. I mean, insurance aside, let's say the ins- insurance companies did say, okay, we'll cover this. Let's say I had a crew member who came up to me and was like, I'll sign a waiver and say that all liability is off of you and on to me. Whatever that might be, I still wouldn't feel good right now without like proper testing or proper guidelines and figuring out how it was going to work. But, you know, the companies here are are doing it. There's a set of guidelines out there, you know, and so they're testing it, which is actually a very good thing because, you know, it's not like testing on human, it kind of is like testing on humans. (laughs) You know, we've got to (laughs) test it somehow. Somehow we have to get back to work, Mm -hmm. otherwise the industry is dead. So... To start in a country that hasn't shut down is probably a good thing, and it's actually provided a lot of really interesting opportunities in that many of the production companies out here are offering up um, remote direction to brands, companies, etc., in the United States, the UK, etc., saying, hey, our crews are working, we've got a set of guidelines. That's what I was waiting for, by the way, because mm. at first people were offering it and no one was saying what they were doing. So I would be like on LinkedIn or on you know, Instagram commenting, yeah. being like, hey, what precautions do you have in place? Like, Talk about it because it's so important for an industry-wide discussion to happen so that everyone can kind of adapt and learn what's working and what's not. So now they're saying, hey, here's our guidelines. They've published it, the Nordic Film Guide from Hobby Film here in Stockholm saying, like, here are the precautions we're taking. So if you have a commercial, we'll cast it. You know, Stockholm is a relatively diverse place in terms of casting. Mm. Probably not for large crowd scenes, but for smaller, you can find people. There's a hugely diverse landscape here in Mm. Scandinavia, even though you think blonde hair, blue eyed, tall, gorgeous. Like, not everybody. Not to say not everyone is gorgeous. Everyone is gorgeous. I'm just, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. It's an... Interesting opportunity um, where I'm at right now, but I'm also trying to, like I said, counter it with my feelings and my emotional state towards, like, if I was in LA, I wouldn't be doing this, you know?
0: Yeah, here it's like it's not even about the industry; it's the temperament of people here in Los Angeles. It's you know, it's hard, like going outside for a walk when you're cooped up all day and you have to wear a mask. All of that stuff. It's a first-world problem, and it's a small compromise to make in the long run for the better of everybody and to get past this but with so many people not really taking this seriously and so many people going against the government and understandably so it's not everybody agrees with our current president it's just a really tricky time to be alive from that perspective but I don't want to get too political about it but oh, yeah. I do think it's really great that Sweden and the Nordic countries have sort of figured out a way to, to go through this transition that gives us a little bit of hope. Because here yeah. in LA, I'm sure you've been keeping a finger on the pulse of everything oh, yeah. production related. It's not looking good, you know, and, and there's yeah. really no hope for like when, aside from a small doc crew, you know, 10 to 15 people, like when any semblance of a normal production could go back to what it was. We just have to stay positive through it all. And I know that that's like the cheesy, obvious Thing to say bumper sticker response, but it's like day by day, and and one of the things the reason I, they sell
1: those bumper true. stickers
0: it's true. But I think you know, one of the, the things I love about you is like, even though I'm not, we haven't like even seen each other, gosh, since sometime in 2019, even before you yeah. moved, like, you're always active in these conversations and what's happening in our industry, always you've been, especially for now from Sweden, and I think that's awesome. I think that you really are sort of one of our little warriors out there who's who's <laughs> kind of like, you know, keeping us all all connected and building a sense of community, which was one of the main things I I attempted, aim to do, hopefully am doing with Life with Kaka is sort Absolutely. of is bring all of these experiences and create a place where we can all learn from each other and have these conversations that oftentimes are not being had and there's a lot of confusion or people just don't talk as much as they should. I think women especially uh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of conversation and discussion
1: is, and and community building is so important to me. I really, really, truly believe that there is room for all of us and for all of these stories. And the only way that new and diverse voices can have opportunities is if we all work together and help each other out. Because, you know, if, Something comes across my plate that's not right for me, but it's right for somebody else. Pass it along. If something like this, a global pandemic, happens and we're all trying to figure out how to move forward, don't hold it close to your chest. Don't say this is going to be me. I'm going to be the one to solve all this because we are in the most collaborative business and industry in the universe.
0: You know, yeah. Now more than ever, a film.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, talk about essential workers. I mean let me let me take a step back there. I'm not saying that we are essential workers. What I'm saying is the idea that we are one of the industries in which people are relying on art, but nothing can be created to the scale in which they're going Used out to, to. consume yeah. it. You know, exactly. And because we can't do our jobs without working together. Yeah. You know? Sure. There can be a self-quarantine movie made if a DP and an actress live together or, you know, a yeah. photo campaign if a photographer lives with a model or or even not a model. And that's great for representation, you know. But overall, if you're looking at movies or TV or even content that, in the ways that we're used to, we have to work together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's you. You it requires a group of people at a certain point. Like, there's only yeah. so much art you can create totally alone, and like you said, to, to still be engaging and active, I think the hurdle is so much bigger if you decide you want to like write an act in your own thing that you shoot in your bedroom over Zoom. Like, it's just it's going to be harder to get people's attention. But look, everything yeah. can and can be done, and I do think that there's going to be a renaissance of creativity on the other side of this Mm -hmm. that we, it will be really exciting. And a lot of friends feel very optimistic that our industry on the other side of this will flourish more than ever. And we'll find a way. I mean, we have found ways multiple times before, not just as people in this industry, but as the human race, you know, we are extremely Mm -hmm. resilient. We don't remember it because we were not alive, but we've gone through this before. We've gone through different versions of this and worse things from this. So- So I think it presents a unique opportunity of growth. And And it's interesting to see how it'll change
1: too. Yeah, Because if you look at the history of, you know, art, not in a motion picture sense, but paintings and over the course of history, and you can tell the time period that it was painted in just by looking at it, you know, what's working. I'm interested to see what this does for the next two years for the films that are created right after this. Like are the stories going to be different the sets will have to be more intimate and small to start off with so are the stories going to be more intimate without the full intimacy cuz now we can't have you no know, sex scenes <laughs> right. like so what what are the stories and how are they going to change you know we can rely heavily on VFX for huge crowd scenes but are we going to have a lot less you know epic sagas come out of this and really focus on you know nuanced storytelling it'll be really interesting to see you know 10 years from now yeah. Looking back can you tell like ah that was made right
0: after the quarantine. yeah that's a post-corona movie yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean we'll see time time will tell but i i'm i'm optimistic and not excited but like looking forward to seeing what doors this opens and and people's yeah. souls and where we go from here and um in the meantime you know in the in between of it all, like just trying to be a light for others. I think that as freelancers, as people who have sort of been in this sort of constant state of unknown that is our industry and and especially as freelancers, I, I think it provides a unique perspective in navigating these times that, you know, a lot of other people in my life who have gone more traditional paths in their career, they've never experienced something like this. And so to be able to be an emotional support for them, I think is, is great. And if that's where I can contribute and where I can show up, then I'm here for it. You know, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. But okay. So I want to get in to you enough about Corona. (laughs) Uh, She steals (laughs) the spotlight all the time. (laughs) Take me back to how you discovered producing and your origin story. By, accident. <laughs> That's
1: by always, accident. It's a
0: very common answer, which I find to so lovely. fall into it.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess by accident, but at the same time, if I really go back to, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I've always loved film and I, at an early age, you know, anytime, second grade, third grade, there was a class project. I was like, I'm going to make a video. So I remember doing a newscast basically, by the way, not to bring it back where we just were, but on the bubonic plague, (laughs) we were learning about it. And instead, you know, everyone was doing these reports and I decided to turn my report into a video production, which my dad filmed on his old like gigantic camcorder. Yes, I pretended to be Christina Anmanpour, and I was a reporter, and I was reporting from my house in Montana. And like, that's one of the times I remember falling back in love with film. Mm. But I wanted to be an actress, and I studied and trained as an actress my entire life. That's what I went to, you know, all the summer camps, Stanford Summer Institute, musical theater camp. I ended up going to Sarah Lawrence to study theater, and then ended up transferring halfway through and graduating from the USC School of Theater. That was my path Mm -hmm. and I had lofty dreams, you know, to then transition into, I was also a writer. So I was like, I'm going to write my own script and star in it and I'll, you know, be in charge. That'll be it. That's kind of where my head was at. And when I came out of college, I started to get into um, nannying because I was like, I'm going to go out on all these auditions. So I need a job that's, you know, easy to go out on auditions. yeah didn't go on a single audition. But by the way, like it is this, and I'm sure we could talk about this at length, but a giant fear of failure where I was like, I know I'm good at this. I've been told I'm good at this, but like, if I don't really try, I can't really fail. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So eventually the kid that I was with, who's one of my very close friends now, he's 13 or 14 now. It's crazy. I started with him when he was 11 months old. Oh my Um, God. I, I, yeah, I needed, he was going to school, so I needed a new job. And his mother, one of my best friends, found in one of her mommy groups an assistant position at an advertising agency. And I hate advertising, (laughs) says the girl who owns a company that does branded content
0: and was in the advertising industry for a decade.
1: A decade, exactly. But When I joined, I literally in my interview said to one of the three owners, I would love to be your assistant. I don't like advertising. So I would really like to not do anything to do with your company. I'm happy to get you coffee. I'm happy to. I was like, sign me up to be a PA, but I don't want to be in the film industry. That was kind of what I was saying to him. I was like, I'm an actress and I would like to be able to go out on auditions. Oh my God. I'm
0: sure he rolled his eyes.
1: How many times people hear that in LA? I mean, seriously. So so I was hired and three months later, they asked me to come on full time. And I was very, very fortunate that uh, one of the other owners of that company is another one of my best friends at this point, And he was making a feature film and said, hey, I know you like making movies. Do you have any interest in assisting me with this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay. But just so you know, you still have to do all of your duties, you know. Yeah. For here, if you're assisting me, it's, that's not your job. So I said, absolutely. Let's do it. You know, three and a half months later, I didn't have a single day off. I worked on the film. There were many, many ups and downs. We all know about independent filmmaking. Mm, yes.
0: Um. And the energy was, you have in your twenties, you know, that's absolutely, just, absolutely you could, could bottle not, could that and again. sell it. Could not oh. do that
1: again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was one of the, you know, Best crash courses in actual filmmaking and producing. I ended up mm. associate producing that movie because it ended up taking two and a half years to make. It went through reshoots. I did some of the writing for those wow. reshoots. I was there for the casting. At one point, our line producer left and I took over line producing and then the accountant we had had never done film accounting. So I took over that. Oh so God. I kind of got a really, really big
0: crash course in like,
1: hey, here's how you produce, just produce this film. And you still
0: wanted to do it afterwards. That's impressive. Most people would have gone the other way.
1: That's what made me fall in love with it. I was like, "Ah, I can do this. Like I could see all the parts. I could see all the pieces. And I would say that I, you know, tend towards creative producing right now. You know, I'm going through um, major changes in my career, but I I really love development and being um, able to help bring you know, new and unique voices to the table, but helping yeah. other people have their vision come to life mm-hmm. and going through that process of how do we make it better? Not how do we make it better for the market or change the story you're trying to tell, but how do we find those moments in the story you're trying to tell and bring them to life and do them justice? Yeah. We did that feature and that company at the time was primarily website building. They had a lot of huge clients and that was kind of when... We started transitioning into commercials, and I was the person at the company who knew how to make movies. So I started, you know, making the commercials. (laughs) So I've had a very unique and privileged trajectory in the industry. In that, from that moment on, I helped build the production department, the video department at that company, to where that was like primarily what they were doing before I left but I was always in a hiring position at that point like I was ended up being the director of video production there and from the very beginning I was hiring everyone I wasn't a PA on set you know mm-hmm. so I hired people I thought were best for the job I hired people I thought should be in the industry so I it wasn't until probably 4 years later admittedly where I was on set with one of my first ACs and she's like I can't believe there are so many women on this set I was like Come again? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm usually the only one. And it sounds like something that everyone knows, but I didn't because I always had a lot of women on set, you know? Yeah, because you got to control. Because I was hiring. You were hiring them. (laughs) I was hiring. So I didn't realize. I was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you know, what about this department? This department? She's like, no, never anyone in like my department or, you know, so. That was kind of a big eye-opener for me and has kind of changed my trajectory. What year was that? God, I, I want to say 2013 maybe, 2013, 2014. Yeah, 2014? Mm-hmm. yeah I, I was with that particular company for uh, seven and a half years actually doing the advertising in the end. You know, one of my biggest clients was one of the biggest theater chains in the United States. Like I was doing junkets. I had that side of the industry, which was interesting. I got Mm. to do promos for uh, movies that were coming out. So I got to see that process along the way because the director of um, the feature we did is is a huge A-list DP. I worked with one of the owners of the company to form advancedfilmmaking.com, which was uh, an interview series with and Papa, Michael, Janusz Kaminski and Wally Pfister uh, where we were really trying to get into how do you make it in the film industry, but not from a technical standpoint. How do mm. you, you know, emotionally deal with these things? How do you deal with being on set for months at a time? If you have a family, how do you get the job? And what were some of the answers? I think what you learn is that everyone's trajectory is different and there is no one path as you know yeah. into this industry and everyone deals with it differently you know you've got some of them have been divorced some of them have are happily married some of them are happy with their divorces you know that's
0: Yeah.
1: And that's just family life in particular like how do you get the job they all had different paths film school some went to film school some don't go to film school and and this was an interview series with other directors and gaffers and key grips and mm-hmm. and, and producers you know on a huge scale in the industry. So these were, you know, people who have made it, Yeah, you know, they're making, they can make anything, you know, happen and no one's path is the same. Mm -hmm. And that was so interesting to be a part of and to see and to be on set of some, you know, huge movies to try and conduct these interviews and realize that, what it really comes down to is connections. That's what it always comes down to. That's what right. it always comes
0: back to is well, your relations, connections. right? Connections and relationships, which is why I preach so much on the show, kindness and generosity Absolutely. and who you're going to be and how you're going to show up and how in this industry, it's like, you have to be the same person in all areas of your life. Like whether you're on set or you're at a networking thing, or you're just meeting someone for coffee or you're holding the yeah. door for someone, like it just breeds this idea that And it should be this way. But my understanding is that people who work in traditional, more corporate settings can have a little bit of separation between those two lives or identities. And Mm -hmm. in our industry, you sort of can't because you could be taking yoga and be next to someone who can get you your next job. Like, it's just sort of this weird thing where it's all around you all the time. So you are always on, thus... Then be on as like a true, genuine, authentic version of you, hopefully yeah. from a place of kindness. Because regardless of where the journey takes you, it's going to make it that much sweeter. You know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I I truly believe that. I think you are right. I am. I am right. I will say yeah. that. I, I think if if there's anything anyone listening, um, if you're new to the industry or you're transitioning into a different facet of it. I think that's the biggest takeaway. And that's when people ask me for advice, it's like, I always say the same thing because all the hard skills you can learn, all of the nitty gritty stuff you can truly learn. I mean, even if you wanted to go learn something extremely technical, like what a DP does, like you can learn that too. It takes a little bit of time, but the Mm -hmm. stuff you can't really learn is just innate to who you are. That stuff is yeah. just a decision you make on like a spiritual level of how you're going to yeah. show up. And I can't give you that. No amount of money can give you that. No amount of opportunity can give you that. So make that decision early on. And funny thing about making that decision, then people with hiring power will start to hire you because they want <laughs> that energy around. Yeah. And thus you blink and a decade passes and you've built a career.
1: In branded content, specifically like with my, my company, that's what that's what I hear when brands hire us back. Like I really loved the energy on set. I really loved how everyone worked so well together and seemed to like truly enjoy working together. You know, that's hiring again from, from a hiring perspective. Yes. As a freelancer, like you get the job that way, but also I, I'm very specific when I'm hiring my crew, I'm all about opportunity and my big thing is, is representation and inclusivity on set behind the camera and in front of, but that includes like the little thing that says, I don't care who you are. If you come onto my set and you're throwing around negative energy, I'm not hiring you again. That's the one thing like I can deal with a mistake happening, technical mistake on set, you know, something like that footage getting erased, like God forbid, (laughs) but like I could deal with that over bad attitude mm-hmm. onset mm-hmm. that I just, I can't, this is to say, I understand that sometimes people are going things and I think I'm pretty good at determining they're going through some things. So they're having a bad day.
0: They're not at their best versus toxic attitude. energy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference. And that to me is the inherent job of a producer is is to learn yeah. how to read people and where they are emotionally in their yeah. day and if this is just a person who's having a bad day or if it's somebody who's actually going to be a fire in some way yeah. shape form a situation or a person whatever the thing may be you're constantly assessing you're, you're you know we were talking about this off mic like you're you're constantly real time problem solving and and assessing situations because some things are not fires but the person thinks it's a fire Like there's no cream cheese at crafty or, you know, some things are actual fires. And what I've learned is that the people that often need the most help are never the ones that ask for it. I don't know if you've seen that. You kind of, they're the ones that are in the corner, just like buried in work and completely stressed, melting down. And they never want to show it because they're consummate professional. And those are the people that we have to really, I think, look out for and support because they don't want to disappoint anyone they tend to be people yeah. pleasers and they tend to be women um <laughs> unfortunately it's yes. it's true but i i think it's so awesome like one of the things i love about your company and having been on one of your sets i would can say that that is 100 percent true and that this idea of inclusivity in front of behind the camera you've been talking this and preaching this since before it was popular you know since before these were buzzwords that everybody's yeah. been throwing around and i applaud you for that because i think oh, that's wonderful you. Yes. I think it's extremely important
1: to to keep talking about it. One of the things I had a, a series that you actually participated in, um, my yeah. apparently interviews where mm-hmm. we were interviewing people in all facets of the industry about inclusivity and representation. And right now during, you know, not to bring it back to COVID, but, but you know, coming back to COVID that I am really hyper aware of continuing to be a very loud voice in, moving towards a more inclusive and representative industry because i'm i'm afraid that as things go back we're going to look for comfort or the easy way out right. and some of these conversations or buzzwords might kind of fade in the distance a little yeah. bit and have to mm-hmm. like have a resurgence years from now and i'd really mm-hmm. like that not to happen yeah. so you know i'm trying to bring back this series and to have these discussions and to you know really really talk about how important it is that we can move forward at the same pace as we have been yeah. to, to try and make some changes.
0: So so take me to apparently Jack then. How did that yes. launch? So it was, I went from uh, one
1: company to next to another advertising agency where I was meant to start a production company arm of that particular agency. It didn't end up going in that trajectory because they found uh, another niche that was very lucrative and they were doing really well in. So they kind of went this direction. Mm-hmm. And instead of staying on board for that journey, cause I wasn't interested in, you know, it was, it was more photo shoots and, and that kind of thing in lifestyle and, and fashion and beauty. And so I really wanted to be more involved in storytelling and, you know, inclusive stories specifically where, you know, our writers have a seat at the table for the story that they're telling. I really want to preface this by saying I was in a very fortunate position, privileged position in my home life. I had a boyfriend who's now my husband who was doing very well financially for us. So I mm-hmm. had the opportunity to say, I'm going to quit my job and start my own company Yeah, with <laughs> no investment or startup capital. And I'm going to completely you know, bootstrap it. So I recognize the privileged position I was in. Um, yeah. And then it's been, you know, years now to where, sure, I haven't built it up to the place where I wanted it to be, but I'm extremely proud of it, you know? Yeah. So when I started it, it was a question of what are we going to be? Are we going to be a production company that just produces what creative that's brought to us by agencies or by brands. Are we going to have a roster of directors or cinematographers? You know, what is the model in which I want to be? And and I really, truly believe that branded storytelling, this is one of the things I had tried to preach so strongly at the other company as I was at. Branded entertainment to me is not a commercial. It is a storyline-driven film. That could be any length. It could be a short film. It could be a feature. It could be docu style, mm-hmm. um, but it's really storyline driven and it incorporates a brand or brand values or idea. So I have forever wanted to be like a producer, an independent film producer, right? But I'm also yeah. extremely pragmatic, and I want <laughs> to be able to support myself and my family and. I am not that producer that is necessarily willing to, you know, live scraping by to try and like, I will help a project get through and I will scrape by there. But like in general, my life, I want to be at a higher level where I can do more good than yeah. just focus on one project. Yeah. So, you know, the idea is get writers who have unique voices who are underrepresented for whatever reason who have great stories to tell and have a brand sponsor that that vision you know I really wanted to do features and short films specifically that were brand sponsored but not brand commercials right so that's that's where it started that was the whole purpose of the company that was a very very strong focus on you know representation behind the camera as well as in front of the camera um, making sure our hiring practices were focused on that and it's hard yeah. it's really hard because <laughs> i have worked with fortune 500 companies i have you know helped spearhead campaigns that were huge that have you know so many millions of eyeballs and i had connections to cmo's and ceo's but I also have this like little moral thing in the back of my head where I was like, I'm not chasing after any of the relationships I've already built at brands because those clients belong to companies I'm still friends with, you know? I didn't have bad experiences where I was like, I'm gonna stick it to them and steal their client, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. I also have a really hard time morally putting work that I've done in the past for another company on my website. So if the contract between the brand was not with Apparently Jack. It was with a different company. I can't put them on my website. I can't say I worked for Regal Cinemas because I did as a producer... But but not apparently Jack.
0: But not apparently Jack. And a lot of people do that, right? Especially when they're starting a new thing. to so create many, a I, I
1: watched so many companies like appear out of nowhere and I was like, wait, how do they have 50 videos on their website? And I realized it's because of all the people that they're, you know, th- so it's a tactic and a lot of people take it. So I, I knew going in that because I wasn't going to do that and I was starting from scratch trying to build relationships that... It was going to be hard because your ideas can be great. Your team can be top notch, but that person in marketing needs to sell it to their boss and they need to see what you've done. So it took us a year and a half to get enough of a reel to be able to sell ourselves through a cold email based on our reel, you know, and that was me working for free. That was me saying, my company is not going to take anything, but I'll produce this for you and we'll give you, you know we'll do it for less. We'll give you more and here you go. And we have some fantastic clients. I'm also very specific about, you know, the clients that I try and take on. I want Mm -hmm. them to also feel strongly about representation and inclusivity or doing good or, you know, just be lovely people to work with. Yeah. (laughs) We know that that's difficult to find. So it took a really long time to get enough traction and, and build. And I was very, very fortunate to have some great partners One of the directors that I work a lot with, Katie Koblitz, you've worked with. Yeah. She's just got such a great and unique voice and was just there with me side by side, like knowing that we were on this journey together. And then I said, you know, hey, um, by the way, I'm getting married and moving to Sweden. Two and a (laughs) half years in, wasn't the plan, you know? Yeah. We, We were planning on waiting a little bit longer to move to Sweden. I was going to build apparently jack up for five years to have it be standalone to where I could hand over and, you know, maybe the CEO reigns to someone based in LA and then open up another office in Stockholm and have it be LA Stockholm. That was the plan. (laughs) you can't leave two and a half years without like making a ton of money and have that be the plan. It yeah, doesn't work. It's true. So I'm shifting, you know, I'm shifting, I'm changing. <laughs> what are you uh, shifting to? I've had to take a step back and say, what part of this do I really love? The industry in Stockholm is different than LA. To some extent, some things are easier. Permits not at all like in LA. So unions, insurance, all the things that are some of the most difficult pieces of things you have to really, really learn to make it as a good producer in LA aren't really barriers here. So that's good. The languages and I'm learning Swedish. Um, I've been learning consistently for, you know, I would say a year and a half now, and I can understand what people are saying. It's harder for me to say things myself. Yeah. Ideally, you know, I'd love to be in the Scandinavian drama or film or TV, you know, industries, but I Wait, do yeah. know that coming in as an outsider who doesn't speak the language, that's that's hard. <laughs> that's I can't do that right now, you know. Yeah. So so yeah, my question yeah. has been like, what do I focus on? And also I haven't closed apparently Jack. Apparently Jack is still working in LA. I've been back and forth the last year three times and had, I think five shoots over the last year in LA from living in Sweden where I started the creative and gone back to shoot. So that is viable. That works. You can produce from anywhere as long as you trust your team and you know your team. And especially if you can fly back for the shoot, it works. Sure. I've had client calls at 2am my time, but you do that because you need to. I think
0: it's a small, small price, right? It to works. Pay. You
1: know, like yes. right now you're, you're in LA, I'm here. Like it's, it's fine to have these, you know, different times of day. So I started off when I finally got my work permit, which was just in February of this year to be able to work in Stockholm. I started meeting with every company, top company that I could in Stockholm doing pretty much branded content and TV and film so mm-hmm. that I could you know, kind of get in there. And then Corona happened and Hmm. I'm in a very, again, grateful and lucky. Luck has a lot to do with it. I had built some relationships that started on a set in LA last year that introduced me to some people out here. And I'm currently in contract negotiations to become CEO of their production company. Amazing. Congrats. Can't that's name exciting. it yet, just because that's not all. Like, you know, let's do follow up episode two months from now and see what yes. what happens. But <laughs> so it's a unique opportunity because every time I went into a meeting, I said, whether there's a job opening for me or not here in Stockholm, I want my experience to bring value to the company here. I didn't want to be a freelance producer because I I couldn't do my best job as a freelance producer, not knowing and never having produced something in Stockholm. Right, right, right. But I can bring my experience from LA, my experience from Hollywood, my experience from working with these brands and having apparently Jack. That can be an asset to a company here. And they saw that and they said, we'd love apparently Jack to be a sister company. We'd love to be able to say to our clients like, Hey, we are based in Stockholm, but if you want to do a shoot in LA, we've already got a sister so company in a there way to
0: do it. it's like a revised version of your five-year plan. Yeah, Think about it. <laughs> it
1: is, it really is. You know, yeah. it's, it's so, I mean, Hey, you know, it's, it's a very, very small company and they're, they're looking to scale. So they're yeah. looking to be I'll be honest. And I think even if they listened to this podcast, they wouldn't disagree. I looked and set up meetings with all of the top production companies in Stockholm. They were not amongst it because they are not, they've been steadily working for 10 years and they have had to turn down jobs. They have enough work. It's just, it's not a situation where like we have a whole production team. We don't, Mm. they're ready to scale. Yeah. But they need somebody to do that for them. And I've done that three times now over the course of my career where I've started with nothing, built a production department, left, went into a brand to help them build an in-house production department, built that, left, did my company, started to build it up. So it's finding, you know, the right place for yourself. And that was one of the things I was so worried about coming here that my husband was like, you just have to wait and find the right fit for you. You know, I applied for, you know, an in-house producer job. I wasn't the right person because I didn't speak the language, you know, but for them, I'm the right person. And that's really exciting because, you know, one of the first things I said was, Hey, I saw that inclusivity duck campaign you did. And we've been trying to find a way to like bring that to the forefront of what we're doing. And we really appreciate it. I was like, yes, you know, they're two (laughs) guys. And they said, we want a female CEO. Like we don't want to be three dudes. We want 50% of all of our sets to be female.
0: Yeah. And I said,
1: Okay, we're all on the same page with how we want to move forward. So so it's really exciting because I now have the opportunity to A have a job in Corona times and B really challenge myself to find the way to mesh these two worlds together and to grow something, you know,
0: bigger. So it's exciting. It's super exciting. In in keeping with the spirit of the show and talking mm-hmm. about the messy parts of life, life with Kaka and oh yeah, messy transitions. I think you have this this great spirit about you, and maybe I just always catch you when things are going well. I don't know, <laughs> but yes. maybe that could be it. But you know, I'm just so curious. You especially this past year, you've gone through so many transitions, and there's so much that I'm sure has not been easy. So how have you in in your past and especially now gotten through these, these big transitions, big life transition, learning a new language, a new culture, all of that, how are you coping? One of the things that I have
1: always thought of as my other big cause in life is mental health awareness. And Then I took a step back last summer when I was back in LA and I was like, I want to do something. And I was talking to Katie and I was like, we should film something while I'm here because I didn't have anything in the pipeline. And we decided that I would write a script and it would be something that mattered to me. And I took a step back and realized that I always tell people that mental health awareness and mental health is a cause that I'm passionate about and realized that I've never outwardly talked about it or done Mm -hmm. anything about it. So I wrote a very personal short film that took place in one room that you know we did the casting for and I was very lucky had everyone volunteer and we produced it it's almost ready for release now we're mm. in the composition room. we're doing a sound sound mix and that kind of thing right now but it's hard keeping your mental sanity especially in this job and in this industry is hard and I have a history with depression and it's mm. always been a struggle to figure out how to get through the dark. Like for me, work does that. Work helps keep me out of my head and focused on the task. So that's why, you know, when I don't have anything to do or I don't have a project I'm working
0: on, I try and pick one up. Mm. So would you say so much of your identity then and the way that maybe this is triggered is related to your professional identity as a producer? Absolutely. I'm so hmm.
1: intertwined. Like, it's we are one. <laughs> Me and my job and my work and everything are, are one. But beautiful things come out of that. You know, I, yeah. I find I am working um, with a couple of writers right now where we have shopping agreements on scripts for features and for, you know, large scale series. And, you know, just working focusing my attention on helping someone else bring their vision to life takes me out of my own head and, and helps me through. I also have a really good support system. Again, it's that I'm so lucky to have that support system. The job that I was just talking about back in November, that where I met the person who introduced me to these people in Sweden, I cried for four days straight on that job. It was a hard job. That yeah. happens. I mean, I've been in this industry for how long and still a, a little commercial like that can still yeah. bring you down. Like it was stressful. Yeah, It was one of those situations where there was an agency, there was a production company, there was another production company and then there was client. And like- It's a lot of people. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah, And of course, you know, budgets are shrinking these days. Yeah. And so trying to make things happen for not enough budget or time, you know, when the ideas are so grand and you have to try and fit it in. That's part of what at the end of the day, I can always be like, yeah, pat myself on the back. I did it. Like we made this happen and we should not have been able to make this happen, (laughs) but there were a lot of tears involved. In, but you made it happen. You got to the other side. Yeah. And sure you get to the yeah. other side. And that has always been the, the thing that I need to constantly remind myself about. And I told my husband very early on, like sometimes it would be really helpful if you just remind me that I've gotten through to the other side before,
0: like yeah. remember
1: those times. And, and if you don't have someone who you can tell to do that, I, I've had friends before, like before I met him, I would like tell my friends like, Hey, can you remind me every once in a while? Like you've gotten through to the other side because sometimes when you're in the trenches and it's not going according to plan or you God forbid you mess up. Right. Mm. I've made mistakes in my career that you would think someone eight years into doing this, you wouldn't make that mistake. Hmm. Right. And when that happens, I'm lost for days. I can literally think in my head, like the three times I've made huge mistakes and they still bother me today, (laughs) you know, like I can't, it's hard, it's hard to let that stuff go. Yeah. Stupid enough to not do like everyone knows that, like, here's an example. And it's just embarrassing to even say out loud, but I know that it's helpful to say it out loud for other people. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Six years into my career, I didn't have a photographer sign a contract.
0: (laughs) what? (laughs) Like what producer doesn't have the photographer sign a contract? The interesting and I don't want to say dangerous, but the unique thing about the industry being a carve your own path, choose your own adventure is that since there isn't like, well, here are all the things you should know. And here's what you Mm -hmm. should do. By what point sometimes things that seem obvious that may may be obvious to everybody do get overlooked Mm -hmm. because you didn't go to school for four years where they taught you all of these like pragmatic things about the business. You just had have to learn it by doing it. and frankly, by messing up and you can yeah. still forget that there, there's so many things that can come up. And I think that aspect of, Forgiveness is, is yeah, huge. Yeah. Forgiving yourself. For <laughs> Forgiving sure, yourself for, is what as I'm as well. saying. Yeah, yeah, we're always constantly learning. I mean, there's so much even I don't know. And it's a good reminder is the more I climb up in my career and I'm dealing with yeah. people who are very impressive and like a top level jobs and they don't know stuff. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay.
1: Every set is different and every negotiation yeah. is different. And every relationship, like if you're talking specifically branded content, like every relationship a brand has with, you know... Maybe the, the talent that they're in charge of, you know, they're all mm-hmm. different and you can't know the answer. Something happened, you know, a, a little more recently where there were by absolutely no fault of, uh, of mine or, or my company's, some negotiations that started to go sour with a client and, and one of their clients, you know? And it's like, I felt like I had these conversations, uh, you know, with my husband. I was like, I-, I feel like I did something wrong. He's like, well, did you? And I said, like, well, I didn't ask this question. And he's Mm -hmm. like, normally, would you ask that question? And I was like, no, that's never a question one should ever have to ask. He's like, okay, we're going to ask it in the future. And I was like, yeah. Like, and and I'm sure that I'm going to ask that question a million times. And they're going to be like, "Uh, no, why are you even asking me? Right. But it's the one time. time." (laughs) And that's why like these days, like for me, contracts and, you know, agreements and, you know, those are so important because even if you trust the person or know the person or they're not even going to like maliciously try and get around their contract, if it's not in writing, you go from the very beginning. You know, I've got some projects that I've been working on uh, here in Stockholm that, you know, I, I'm working with some great people. And I was like, hey, I know that we're going in this direction, but do you mind if I put this on paper and have us both sign? Because yeah. yes for whatever reason, you know, somebody picks it up or, because then other things come up and you're like, oh, I didn't really think that this is what you meant when you said this, you know, talk about it. And that's, again, going back to the idea that discussion and conversation is so important, not just to move these giant causes forward, like representation or mental health awareness, but just to keep understanding where someone else is coming from. You know, you mentioned being on set. Granular level. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. How is everyone doing? You know, I keep connecting with people where it's like, I can't hire them for a job right now, but I've worked with them so many times and I want to make sure they're doing okay. Like you end up becoming friends, but there's also that like if I'm going to be your boss, lines like that get blurry sometimes, which is which is why I sometimes have to take a step back and be like, ooh, I shouldn't like comment on this or talk to them about this. But maybe just letting them know hey i know someone who like if you're interested that's why i love putting people together i love introducing yeah. people because i might not be the right person to help them for whether it's career or whether it's personal but somebody else might be yeah again I'm right back to we all need to help each other and it's there's room enough for all of us and we can all help each other climb there's not a ceiling, this whole idea of a glass, any kind of ceiling, there is no ceiling. Like things change. It's more like an ocean, like where things change and ebb and flow. And you know, one of the representation issues that people don't talk about enough is ageism Mm -hmm. in our industry, because this is not true for everybody, but when things go more digital or technological or technology changes, somebody who might be, you know, used to working in the industry for 40 years and know it this way hasn't gone to school recently so they don't know you know that this is becoming big or shooting some let's call shooting something for TikTok you know like <laughs> brands are now hiring production companies to shoot their content for TikTok you know so they might not be used to that and so they're not getting hired and yeah. it's kind of like you're losing out on so many
0: gems you could learn from that person Yeah, I think that there is no ceiling, that there's a place for everybody. And I think I'm always like, how do we create a system or a program where this is like mandated? You know, like if there is a cool way to take like in terms of an internship where you have like a person who's kind of fresh out of school and they're always getting partnered with a veteran. And they together have to learn something new from each other. How cool would that be? We're kind of doing something similar to that with this company and in Sweden, we're doing like this
1: kind of idea of this paid mentorship, like where we're having this new talent division where they're completely involved in the process, and it's mm. less of directors competing against each other and more of a creative incubator with people from all aspects. So That's awesome! You know, you can have ideas come from anyone in. On the crew or the company.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited for you in this new chapter. Like you said, it's kind of a weird time to feel happy or optimistic about job opportunities when there's like so much that isn't going well for so many people. And I struggle with the same thing. But I think that perhaps being sort of given this opportunity to feel optimistic about certain things helps infuse that energy into other people's days and helps them feel a little bit more hopeful about their own journey. And so Um, that's all any of us can really do. So I just have a few more questions and I want to make sure that like, you know, if there's anything that we didn't get to that we get to the first, which I didn't get to ask in the beginning, which is define a producer. And then, you know, the advice that would be the the next question, advice you want to give to people. I think particularly in this moment in time with the way the world is going. And I think you having a finger on the pulse of a new way and how Sweden is doing things like you probably could speak to a little bit differently than others? As you know, having done this journey with Life with Kaka,
1: defining what a producer is or does is nearly impossible because it's different from job to job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that a producer is the person to make sure the job comes to life, whatever that means. It's, Putting the pieces together, but it's also understanding the path that it's on. It's being able to connect and work and understand people and human emotions. It's monitoring the budget sometimes. I mean, it also depends on which producer title you're talking about right, creative right. producer, line producer, you, you know, executive producer. So, I mean, really, no matter what's in front of that producer word. A producer is somebody who's helping shepherd a project to life. at It's very core. In terms of
0: advice, are you looking for advice for people trying to get into the industry or navigating forward or? Whatever speaks to you right now. I I don't think of like a 19 year old necessarily who's like, do I want to be in this business? I I like Mm -hmm. to think of the people that are, have maybe have been in it for a while and are either trying to stay in it or maybe pivoting into a different part of it and are just kind of finding their footing in the industry. I would say,
1: listen to yourself and figure out what you love about this job in this industry, because that's something I've been trying to do more often now as i'm I'm kind of going through these transitions, is figuring out, you know, what aspects of production do I really, really love. I love it all. Let's be honest. But, like, (laughs) what do I want to focus my time and energy on? You know, like, how am I going to help the most projects, you know, come to fruition? How am I going to make a difference or help others make a difference? You know, what is it about this industry that I love the most or this process that I love the most? Because you could go for years being like, I'm really good at this, but you could hate that and just end up being miserable and pivoting anyway. Or you could say, my goal was like, I want to be Kathleen Kennedy. I want to be a producer who can get anything made because people trust what I've done and because I'm so good at what I do. Not because I have all the money in the world to just finance anything I want. And I specifically wanted to be her because I wanted to make giant epic movies Mm. but that's also not me like I like watching those giant epic movies and I would love to like be on set for them right but I really 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 enjoy working with creators and voices to bring something to life that other people aren't going to spend the time yeah things that I say I read and I'm like this is brilliant why isn't anyone making this let me see if I can try and get it the story told so listening to why you really want to be here instead of like these lofty ideas of like what you think you should be doing or Mm -hmm. the path you should be on and of course support everyone else around you and i would yeah. say support you know <laughs> women and people of color and the lgbtq community and uh the disabled community and you know don't be
0: ageist and you know <laughs> you know be done
1: you know all of that
0: <laughs> yeah all of that <laughs> all of that i think you nailed it i think all of that stuff is is right on the money Thank you so much. Uh, yes. I can't wait to see what is next for you. And obviously we, we will be in touch. Oh, yeah. um, and thank you to everyone listening and for tuning in. Thank you. This is so fun. And that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in week after week and doing this life thing with me. I see you. I recognize you. The hustle is real. Keep it up. And if you like the show, please spread the word, tell a friend, tag a friend, follow me on social media. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. Would love to hear what you think. Thanks again for doing this life thing with me, and I'll see you next week. Beijos.